You are listening to KSKQ 89.5 FM in Ashland, Oregon and 94.1 FM in Medford, Oregon. It is the fourth Friday of the month and that means it's Literary Ashland. I'm Michael Neiman and Ed Bittestella, my co-host, is on assignment today, so it's just me today. I'm going to have a few announcements of upcoming literary events. Joanne, Joanna Shaw will be discussing her book, Design and Live, Live the Life You Love, A Guide for Living in Your Power and Fulfilling Your Purpose on Monday, January 30th at Bloomsbury Books at 7 p.m. Sho Sugita, who is a National High School graduate, is back in town after living and working in Japan. He's translated the poetry of Japanese avant-garde poet Hirata Renkichi and will read at the Schneider Museum of Art on Wednesday, February 1st at 7 p.m. On Thursday, February 2nd, mystery author Sue Ann Jafarian will read from her work at the Ashland Public Library, and that's at 3.30 p.m. And a little bit farther in the future, on Monday, February 13th, 2017, at 7.30 p.m., Chautauqua poets and writers will present an evening with acclaimed poet, novelist, anthologist, children's book author Naomi Shihab Nye. That's at the Mountain Avenue Theater of Ashland High Schools. And if you're interested in attending this event, go to ChautauquaWriters.org or go to Bloomsbury and uh, go to Bookwagon. Okay, that's it for the announcements. I am so pleased to uh, welcome today's guest, John Juncker. He's an author of four full-length plays, Paleo, Meet the Parents, Meet is spelled M-E-A-T, Species of Least Concern and Sanctuary, also the author of a teleplay called Sanctuary, and the novel Tourist Trail, which began as a short story by the same name and won the Phoebe 2010 Fiction Prize. His one-act play, Little Red House, was published in the journal Mason's Road, and he uh, was produced by the Studio Players Theatre in Lexington, Kentucky. Another one-act play, The Sales Rank Also Rises, has been produced by Oregon Contemporary Theatre. And he is also the editor and ed- uh, uh, of editor of Among Animals, uh, The live an- Lives of Animals and Humans in Contemporary Short Fiction, and the co-founder of Ashland Press and Bite Level Press. So, welcome, John. Thank you, Michael. So that's a that's a, a long introduction, yes. and so that means you have really done a lot of different things. Tell us a little bit about how you got into publishing and writing. Oh gosh, uh, how did I get into it? Well, I I guess um, my background is journalism. Mm-hmm. I, I got an undergrad in journalism. I've been writing pretty much all my life. I worked in New York, in, in, in and out of publishing and marketing. Mm-hmm. So that's really, so I got an early uh, uh, learning in, in how publishing works, how to promote books. And eventually I started writing them. And mm-hmm. um, I wrote The Tourist Trail, as you mentioned, got an agent. And as it happens sometimes, is getting an agent is only half the way to publication. So the agent was un- unable to sell the book. Mm-hmm. And so I'm stubborn by nature, and I decided to self-publish. And this is back, I guess, around 2010, and uh, 2010 or 12, somewhere around there. And it went really, it went really well. It was actually a, a great experience. This is the early day of the Kindle, and and so eBooks were were relatively new things. Uh, self-publishing was a relatively new phenomenon. 
And in, during that, my you know, my wife and partner, Midge Raymond, who also has a great deal of publishing experience, more on the editing side, we realized that there's probably some other people like me out there. And the Tourist Trail is is a uh, is a literary novel, but it's it's an environmental novel as well. It kind of it's it kind of falls in between genres, which makes it an extraordinarily difficult sell for an agent. Mm-hmm. And this this field, if you will, of eco-literature or eco-fiction uh, is an area that we've largely devoted uh, Ashland Creek Press to. And uh, that was, gosh, six years ago. And we're still, we're still here, still, okay. we're still publishing. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the tourist trail, it's an eco-thriller and you managed to carry both an environmental message and a compelling story. How did you manage to do that? I mean, how is it? How did you keep that balance—the story as well as the message that you were trying to convey? It's challenging. Um, it's it's tough not to be too preachy when you write a novel with a point of view, uh, mm-hmm. particularly an environmental point of view. Um, the way the way I tried to deal with this is not is through a mix of characters. One being the FBI agent is who's mm-hmm. a very jaded individual who is just trying to catch the bad guy. And in this case, the bad guy is a uh, quote-unquote eco-terrorist uh, inspired by the Sea Shepherd Society. I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with them, the anti-whaling mm-hmm. organization. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's based on a lot of real things, even though it's a novel. There's, there's, there's some real, uh, it's based on penguin researcher, a, a very real penguin colony down in, in Patagonia. And I've just kind of combined a, a number of, uh, of real uh organizations and and uh, and and then tried to um, create a, a narrative around that and it's really c- character driven and that's mm-hmm. that's kind of how you can get the message through you get it through the characters you can't really you got to keep your author's voice as quiet as possible and let the characters do all the talking yeah i think it was I'm not mistaken, William Zinzer, who said, if you want to send a message, take out an ad. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I think so. that's, that's true. A, that's a really key aspect. Uh, as I said in the introduction, you've written plays, you've written short stories, fiction, nonfiction. Do you have a favorite form? Uh, you know, I'd, I'd say drama. I'm, I'm more, I lean more towards drama, but it, mm-hmm. that is a brutal field to be in. So... And I'm also a bit of a control freak, so I, I kind of vacillate. I guess you'd say I go back and forth because with with a short story or a novel, you control everything, mm-hmm. at, at least yeah. until you give it to an agent and, mm-hmm. and so forth. And there's something really gratifying in that versus a, a play or a script where it's very collaborative by nature and you're reliant on a, a community, you're reliant on, you're reliant on hopefully a, a theater organization that's willing to take a chance on it. And, mm-hmm. And I, I like them both. I actually, I, but I find that when I get stuck on a book, which I was for about four years, um, I ended up writing these plays. Mm-hmm. And that's literally what drove the plays is I got writer's block on the novel I was working on. Oh, okay. So, uh, that's, so you, you, it's, it's, it's going back and forth yes. is relatively easy for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's not that difficult. Yeah. It's not that difficult. Mm-hmm. And, and I find that when I hit a dead end either – through writer's block or I'm getting too many rejections, mm-hmm. I just say, okay, I'm going to write a novel now, or I'm okay. going to write a short story. And, okay. uh, yeah. yeah. Works well. Yeah. What do you think the reading public prefers in terms of uh, your various outputs? I mean, plays, short stories, oh, novels. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. I, I know the tourist trail has done, is done well. I mean, mm-hmm. for, for a book that 
had very little support beyond what what I gave it. And and then yeah. what happened with Tourist Trails, I self-published. And then once we created Ashton Creek Press, we mm-hmm. it, we gave that the imprint. And but yeah. it is still it is still selling, and mm-hmm. uh, which is great. And um, I actually have just finished another novel, so that's oh congratulations, I've, yeah, thank yeah. you. So now th- that all begins again. I I think. I think what I like about novels um, is that they are, they really speak to the heart uh, mm-hmm. m- more than say a nonfiction book sometimes speaks more yeah. to the head. And I, I think you can convey a great deal of passion and you can env- envision the future and actually mm-hmm. show the future through fiction. Yeah. And, and I think uh, now more than ever, I think we, uh, many of us really do need that. So I'm very, I'm actually pretty optimistic. I know Eco, uh, with with the the change in administration, it's every day is is can be very depressing. Um, mm-hmm. But I choose to be an optimist in the sense that I think that what's what we're seeing is, uh, you know, people, those of us who do believe in climate change, who do believe that that humans have a responsibility to the planet and to, to the animals on this planet and to our children and grandchildren that, you know, this is something that we all have to participate in. And there's a lot of things we can do individually that has, has nothing to do with the president. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully we're going to see a more re- re-energized uh, environmental movement come out of this. Yeah. Coming back to your just telling uh, us that you just finished yes. a novel. Can you just give us a little teaser of what that uh, might be about? Well, it actually is a uh, it is a loosely related sequel to the first book. Okay. Uh, one of the characters does continue on, but it, it can stand alone as well. Mm-hmm. It is also a novel. It also spans several continents and uh, deals more with uh, different, different animals. Uh, mm-hmm. A GMOs factor in this novel, mm-hmm. which is another issue that I'm fairly passionate about and it's currently with two agents so uh, you know even though we have a publisher and i'm perfectly willing to to publish it through our press it's Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to novels it's really helpful to have someone who's separate from yourself um, yeah uh, helping you as you know i can Uh, understand (laughs) yes indeed yes in case you're just uh, tuning in this is literary ashland i'm michael neiman i'm talking with john juncker publisher playwright and author so uh, as a publisher you know you have a niche in environmental animal rights works and so forth uh, how did you sort out that niche I mean I, clearly there was some personal interest I'm assuming you know it's 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 evolved we we found mm-hmm. it's, we're six years old I guess coming up on six years and when we started we really didn't know we we knew we wanted to be in the environmental animal mm-hmm. awareness animal protection area but once you open the door and you say send us your manuscript you to some degree you're you're going to respond to what's given to you by yeah. by writers and that's determined some of it and as we've gotten more established and the awareness of the press has grown we're we're better able to control and and curate the the works that we're publishing mm-hmm. and um for example, the Among Animals anthology that, that you mentioned, we're now, mm-hmm. we now have a second edition. Mm-hmm. And this is something, this is a passion project for us because short stories are very hard to sell. But these are our collection, anthologies of, of short stories that really advance and, and challenge conventional writings about humans relationship, a human relationship with animals. It, it may, it's been extremely well-reviewed, and, and we're, it's been adopted by a number of, of writing programs, animal studies, uh, writing uh, studies, 
programs. And that's, that's one thing that we actually control because we put up calls for, for short stories and then people send them to us and then we craft this, this collection. Mm -hmm. Another thing that we're really excited about, it's a book that's coming out in about a month is, uh, uh, it's our first full color book. It's, it's called love rhymes with everything. And it's actually by two local artists, a, oh. a, a painter, Dana Fagan and a poet, uh, Kat Von Cupcake. And they're both in the, the rogue Valley, uh, they're both on the board of Sanctuary One. And in fact, this book is a collaboration with, with us in that all the profits go to animals. So it's, you know, we're, the nice thing about where we're at now is we're, we're able to uh, be a little more selective about what we choose yeah. to put our efforts behind. And, and um, I don't know. I feel like we're finally, I, I also feel like pe the, the people that, that are aware of our press are, are actually self-selecting us now. Uh, we, for example, we signed a book that hopefully will, well, we'll publish in early 2018, but it's about bears. It's about bears in the mountains of Italy, wild bears, mm -hmm. which I, to be honest, I didn't know there were wild bears there and they're under uh, great duress. Mm -hmm. uh, they're being hunted illegally and, and, and killed illegally. And the writer has devoted a great deal of time and he basically selected us for this, for the, to, us, to publish this book because he knew we would, you know, it's a, it's a passion of ours yeah. to get the word out about, about these animal uh, protection issues. So we're, we're in a really good spot. I'm, it's still very much a passion project, the press. For yeah, us. but and, it must be gratifying to have authors like the one you just yes. mentioned seek you out. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I can imagine that. Uh -huh. So are you still... Uh, accepting submissions from authors or are you veering towards the agent only model? Um, we, tr we do take agented works. Mm -hmm. uh, one, in fact, we're publishing in the fall is a, it's a novel by a woman, uh, an author out of Port Townsend, Washington called uh, the crows of Barra. It's a beautiful mm -hmm. novel and we're, we're really excited uh, to publish that, but we're not limiting ourselves okay. to just agented works. And in mm -hmm. fact, we will probably open up for submissions again in, um, the next month or so. We, okay. we don't stay open year-round because it's just okay. overwhelming. Yeah, I would imagine yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And we do a contest. I don't know if you're aware of that. We do a, a, a contest called the Siskiyou Prize for New Environmental yes. Writing. I, I was aware of that, but okay. I'm glad you mentioned yeah. it because I would have forgotten to mention <laughs> it. So remember the Siskiyou Prize, and yes. uh, that's an important thing to keep in mind. Yeah. Uh, so it, while you're doing this work, I mean, how do you parcel out your time? The writing, the publishing. It's not easy. Every day is, mm -hmm. is different. I mean, and actually it's, in a, in a way, I think as I get older, I realize it, that's kind of how I like it, even though there are good days and not so good days. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, for example, if someone wants a review copy of a book, we, a, a, media, a member of the media, we drop everything. You got to get that in the mail immediately. And you know, so we, we, uh, Certain there's certain opportunities that arise with books that we could have published two, three years ago. So we're always kind of looking for those opportunities and responding. But at the same time, we have to manage production schedules on the forthcoming books. Then we're both writers ourselves. And um, we also have to, we do a few other things on the side to help pay the bills. And, and um, you know, it, it, it can be challenging. But I, I've realized that I kind of don't really, I kind of work seven days a week and you know, weird times, and, mm -hmm. and, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, you're getting yeah. it done. Yeah. Yeah. 
I want to just quickly come back to your uh, plays. And uh, as I was reading, uh, reading off the names of the full-length plays, etc., Uh, I had to spell out for our listeners that the meet the parents meet was spelled M-E-A-T. And I think I, I saw a theme running, especially through the plays, having to do with vegetarianism, veganism, animal consumption, etc. Yeah. Is that is that a right, the right take on these? That That's a very accurate take. Mm -hmm. um, they're not all that explicit. There's mm -hmm. one uh, play called Species of Least Concern, which is actually about the uh, the uh, a bumblebee species located oh. in, on well, that's believed to be extinct. Uh, uh -huh. a ban uh, Bombus Franklini, I believe is the name. I don't know if you're, Robin Thorpe is the... Um, The researcher we we'd met year, I met years ago, and and his he comes every so often to the Siskiyou Range and looks for this bee, and that that play is based on, mm -hmm. on bees and mountain bikers in the mountains. But aside from that, yes, um, I, you know, I'm vegan. My wife is vegan. We that does come across a lot of our mm -hmm. works in writing, and it's and it's an interesting you know, if if you like drama, uh, put a you know, write about a couple in which one, one person's vegan and one isn't. And that's interesting. That's quite a drama. And there's a lot of that going on right now in society. And mm -hmm. it, it's something I, I enjoy, enjoy, uh, enjoy exploring because I wasn't always this way. So I see both sides of it yeah. quite vividly. I honestly mm -hmm. never thought I'd end up as a vegan, mm -hmm. but here I am and, and I'm writing about it now. Yeah, for, for our listeners, I, I encourage you to visit John's website, which is johnyonker.com, and Yonker is spelled Y-U-N-K-E-R. And there's actually a little video of a short play that plays out exactly the scenario about the wife who's weed and the husband who isn't, and they encountering the wife's vegan uh, idol who ends up eating a burger, right? Yes, <laughs> so, yes. So I would check it out. It's really quite wonderful. Uh, but uh, let's, because you're not just the publisher at Ashland Creek Press together with Midge, but you're also a publisher of bite-level books. Can you tell us a bit more about that imprint? Well, um, you know, this goes back to paying the bills a little bit. What mm -hmm. I do and, and have done for a number of years is I, a pa another passion of mine is the globalization of websites. Uh, I'm a, very passionate about languages, passionate about uh, communication and, mm. and the fact that uh, the internet breaks down these, these, these barriers of, 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 of distance and with language uh, people. And um, so I have written a number of books over the years about trans the translation industry, how to translate, how to, how important it is to, to speak to, communicate to others in their different languages and bite level books became that publishing division. And of course I've now published some other authors as well. Mm -hmm. I, we talked about the JavaScript book. That is mm -hmm. a, a, an author based in Finland. Who's an expert on JavaScript and it's a very geeky book, but it, it actually is quite popular among, among that crowd because there's very little being written about, about these issues. I would think so because, uh, I think because so much of internet and things initially began in the United States, mm -hmm. English has become the default language mm -hmm. of the programming community. And I think many people are sort of, well, wait, what if people in other countries look at this, right? Absolutely. And, and, the, yeah. and there are ways to make it automatic too, yeah. right? So yeah. that if you are coming from a French domain, that the text will show up in French rather than in English. Yes. And, But and people have to know about that. People yeah. have to know. And it's really... Mm -hmm. uh, 
the internet wasn't built to be multilingual. And there's mm-hmm. been a lot of work done over the years to make it to, to make yeah. it support all these languages. Yeah. But even domain names, only recently have they supported non-Latin characters. Yeah, so that's a tricky thing. Yeah. So where do you see that headed? Just continuing? Just continuing. I, I am mm-hmm. publishing a, a book of my own, which is about uh, globalization. Not so much globalization, uh, but it, it, it's, a, it's a book called Think Outside the Country. Mm-hmm. And it's what I intend for it to be is a book that anyone in, in business can read just to get an understanding of what the world is like from a cultural perspective, language perspective. Uh, I actually had to rewrite the intro after the election because I didn't quite think it would go quite, you know, we wouldn't have a, an avowed anti-globalist in power. And, and globalization is a very difficult subject in, in, in the sense that it has hurt people. And there's yeah. no question. It's hurt people, it's hurt countries, but it's also helped people and it's helped countries. Mm-hmm. So the question is, you know, how do you how do you navigate that? I do think everyone should be aware of the world around them, yeah. and I think we all have a responsibility because empathy is core to to, yeah. to every everything really. Yeah. And and I think what scares me about what's going on at, at the top right now is this is demonization of other cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I don't think you know every culture is just trying to get by. Everyone's just trying to get by in China and Japan. And, everywhere Mm -hmm. and and i think the key is how do we work together in ways that we both benefit and yeah i i think maybe that's the problem here is that the word globalization has become so identified with with neoliberal globalization a particular model of it you know and and which has these negative consequences around the world absolutely i mean it's in this whole NAFTA dispute, the U.S. is not the only country that suffered as a result of NAFTA. There oh, yeah. are millions of Mexican farmers who did too. You know? and, so. and and particularly, you know, when I come at it from from an environmental mm-hmm. perspective, yeah. it's been very detrimental. Yeah. You know, because what a lot of these agreements have done is exported factory farming. It's yeah. exported a lot of nefarious business practices that I don't approve of in the yeah. U.S. And through these agreements, they've become codified and yeah. and made global. But when I when I sit back and then I also I, but I, when I look at the internet as a whole and what it can you know how yeah. people can communicate globally positive ideas mm-hmm. and and if you look at what's happening in the Middle East for example uh, one of my books was just uh, translated into Farsi oh, so right. I, I have a, a mm-hmm. translator contact in Iran mm-hmm. and she she is she con she did the translation herself it was it's not for for profit but just yeah. because she wanted to do it and it's now available in Iran and I. I'm. I really, you know, I. I do think that the more we can communicate, mm-hmm. uh, the less risk there's going to be about uh, for war, and and uh, the more we will, we will understand one another. And I think it's it's imperative that we continue to educate ourselves and not be scared of the world. Yeah, I think the shutting off, the the closing down of borders is not the solution to the problem of liberal glo- neoliberal globalization. Right. You know? right. So, I mean, and it seems to be the 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 almost the gut level reaction. Yeah, know? and I and I I totally I empathize with it because it mm-hmm. is it's intimidating. Yeah. It really is. Languages are very intimidating. And mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, I'm I was raised in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. I didn't travel internationally until I was in my twenties, uh, I, and um, it's it is the world can be very intimidating. Languages, particularly, you know, mm-hmm. when people are speaking languages you don't understand, practicing religions you don't understand. It, mm-hmm. it, it it's it's alienated, but it, yeah. nevertheless, 
I, I find that people that you know that have succeeded and 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 have learned and and you can grow a lot through learning about the world. It's yeah. what's fascinating is how many ideas that are out there that that, that benefit everyone. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, yeah, it's great. just a passion, well, another passion of mine. Switching, switching yet again, just a little bit. You've also designed book posters. Do you have any? Design tips for our listeners. Oh, uh, design. Well, yeah, I love to design. Uh, that was uh, something I did many years ago um, uh, before before Ashton Creek Press and, and so forth. I think the key is, um, you know, uh, well, I take I'll try to take a less is more approach for, for book covers in particular. Uh, you know, when you design a book cover, you have to think about as much as you may hate Amazon, you have to think about how is it going to look when it's one inch by one and a half inches. Yeah. And, and, and that's not just Amazon. That's any website. Uh, so you want it to, to convey, uh, the spirit of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, you want it to, um, you know, stand apart, obviously, uh, avoid visual cliches. Generally, I think you can play on cliches, but, mm-hmm. uh, try to avoid them if possible. And, um, one thing with Ashton Creek Press is we we actually have a mix of designers we rely on too because every designer kind of has a a way that they design and some different yeah. books call for different designers mm-hmm. and and so we're very open to that. Good, right. All right. Well, final question here. Almost we're getting almost <laughs> to the end of the program here. Uh, I understand you collect typewriters. I do. Tell tell us about that. <laughs> I well, it, it once again. I I learned. I'm dating myself here, but I learned to type on a manual typewriter in mm-hmm. high school, and just absolutely hated it because it was a lot of work to, to bang on those keys. And but as I got older, I realized I really there's something about those typewriters stuck with me. And I was about I don't know about six seven years ago, maybe more when I real we, I went to a fair, uh, a farmers market or something, and somebody was selling necklaces made out of typewriter keys it just broke my heart to see that mm-hmm. so I yeah, me- I've, i've seen cufflinks <laughs> yes. you know about. so I, i immediately went on craigslist and i started finding people that were selling local ty- typewriters locally and i don't have that we i think we have maybe a dozen or 15 <laughs> in various states of repair and okay. disrepair but um, it's probably a dozen more than most other yeah people and we have no right? cards that we sell yes that, yes, um, yes but yes. but i you know i there's something about uh the typewriter that um even though i don't you know i do love having um uh on un, the undo key the undo button if mm-hmm. you will um there's something so tactile about a typewriter yes. and and also it puts there's a real weight or cost associated with yeah. typing back then. You actually had to think about how much paper you had and how much ribbon and whiteout. And you had yeah. to think before you pushed that key. And, and, and now in this day of text message, you uh-huh. can say maybe people should do a little more yeah. thinking before they press those exactly. keys. <laughs> you know, do I have enough space for the footnote right, on this right. page? Or, where, where do I stop? Yeah, ex- right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. I remember that. <laughs> well, uh, we've come to the end of our show. Uh, uh, we've been talking with John Juncker, a poet, playwright, and, and publisher and author. And John, if people want to find more about your stuff, they can go to johnjunker.com. 
Yes, right? or, or ashlandcreekpress.com. Ashlandcreekpress.com. Yeah. Okay. And as I said before, Juncker is spelled Y-U-N-K-E-R, johnjunker.com. In any case, that's it. Thank you for joining us. You've been listening to Literary Ashland. I'm Michael Neiman. And next month on February 24th, we have a slight change of program. I will be here, but it will be Ed Badistella and Bobby Ariano who will interview me. I know I don't know how this is going to work because I'm supposed to be operating the board at the same time, <laughs> but that's the plan for next month. So until then, happy books and happy reading. <laughs>